Hey there, 49ers fans. Welcome to the Talking Touchdowns podcast, or as the case was yesterday, the Talking Touchdown podcast. Um, I am joined, as always, by SoCali Steph. Hi, Steph. Hi, Tracy. How are you? Oh, you know, just fan freaking tastic um, How are you? Well, you know... I, I don't think it could get any worse for me <laughs> as a football fan, but you know, it's I'm hanging in there. I'm laughing through this. Well, that's really all you can do. Um, we are joined today. This is a full <laughs> Ladies of Niners Nation podcast here at Fort Niners Fan Girl. We are joined today by Jennifer Lee Chan. Hello, Jennifer. Hi, Hello. Jennifer. Um, Jennifer, you guys, was the only lucky one, and I'm going to use that term loosely, among the three of us to be at the game against Buffalo. Yes, I was, quote, I'm going to do air quotes, lucky. (laughs) Lucky. Very, very lucky. Well, girls, let's just dive right in. Um, The 49ers are absolutely terrible. They are worse than last year. They are horrible. There's only so many ways you can say they're bad, but I'm trying to hit all of them. And there are 10 games to go, so yay! Um, Chip Kelly said today Kaepernick will start again Sunday, and he said they may do some more rotation at inside linebacker. Don't think it will help because the talent at inside linebacker is, well, stark. I'm going to go with the word stark. But that being said, Steph... I will start with you. What were your thoughts yesterday as you were watching that game? Well, I mean, it was pretty bleak. I mean, the the beginning part of the game, of course, I was excited to see Kaepernick come out, and I think he played pretty well in the beginning. And I think that if he had been on the mark, you know, I think Torrey Smith would have had a career game. And I think he had some, you know, blushes of good play and granted it's his first you know outing since he's been injured since last year and was then you know cut but or went on the IR and everything but I think um I think there was there was you know glimpses of hope there and it was certainly fun to watch but as a team went on and him and the whole 49ers just seem to unravel like they always do. It's like five, four, three, two, one. Here they go. And they go down in the second half, like in flames. So, you know, it is what it is. It's like, it's kind of like an old rerun at this point. It is. And Jennifer, you know, I, I think chip needs time and I'm, I'm not on the, we need to get rid of chip train. It's obviously way, way, way too early to have that conversation. But as Steph said, in the second half, it just all goes terribly wrong. And to me, that is coaching somewhat because that means the other coaches make second-half adjustments, and obviously our coaches do not. Yes, that's definitely a uh, statement that needs to be taken into consideration. There is, there is something to be said where there hasn't been second-half adjustments, and what was really uh, kind of, I mean, just it hurt me because it was just so I'm just so unexpected is that Rex Ryan said, Oh yeah, we didn't really have to make any, many adjustments at halftime, which is like, Oh, that's just, that's a really brutal statement to have to say. And, um, there's been yeah just a collapse in the second half. And uh, I think, I think they'll give Chip some time, but I think someone who's definitely on the hot seat is the defensive coordinator, Jim O'Neill. I don't know that Jim O'Neill makes it past the bye week. 
Yeah, that is, that's, I, I think he's really kind of one of the first ones to go. I mean, they've allowed five 100 rushers. They almost gave up 500 yards of offense yesterday, um, really close, 491. They gave up 500, I believe, 26 to Carolina. I mean, those numbers are horrible. So, I mean, I think definitely uh, this falls on the defense. And obviously they've lost a lot of guys, but, I mean, your depth should be enough that you shouldn't give up 500 yards of offense. They've given up, I believe, not to be too exact, 2,154 <laughs> yards in the last five games. That is so bad. Like, I wish you could all see my face right now as I say it. <laughs> I wish you hadn't added that up. <laughs> uh, I wish I hadn't either, but I did, and then put it in my game recap yesterday, <laughs> much to my own chagrin. Um, but it's a mess. But you bring up an interesting point, and Steph, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. You should have the depth, which, so there's the Jim O'Neill and the fact that the defense looks terrible. But then when it comes to depth, Steph, there's somebody else that might potentially take some blame for that. Who do you think that might be? <laughs> three guesses. You get three guesses. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's obvious. Everybody's pointing fingers right now at Trent Baalke. And there's a lot of things that I think he's done right with this football team. And a lot of things that, you know, he's he's just really missed the mark. And, you know, we all know that he can't draft a wide receiver to save his life. And we know that that there's just, you know, our best receiver right now is Curly, you know, and it's just amazing to me that, you know, football fans, we like to put all the blame on one person, and it's just impossible to do with a team sport. But, you know, Trump Balky definitely has some some blame here, if not a lot of blame. I mean, the fact that where we are at with the inside linebacker situation is, is pretty horrifying, you know, to think that we're going to basically put all the eggs in one basket and just, you know, I don't know if the idea there was to, you know, change the scheme around and make it work so that the defensive backs, you know, could take more of the brunt if then sideline backers were gone. But the way it goes now, I mean, there's just no playmakers on defense or offense. To be, you know, so it's just like, it's just really sad that, um, what it's come down to. And yeah, you know, depth is certainly something that, you know, we look at, but the last like three or four drafts, I mean, he's gone completely at corner, you know, safety corner, safety corner. And I'm starting to like wonder, you know, yeah, I know he added DeForest Buckner, but at some point you, you have to build a team and make it, you know, impregnable and there's just seems like they don't even know what they're building around at this point yeah there was uh he was actually asked about not adding to the linebacker depth at during the draft and he said no we feel comfortable about what's in the room so he knows that people have asked about the linebacker position and he just felt that that was not a need during this draft which is um i mean it falls directly on his shoulders i would say so because i think it has been proven 2,154 yard times over that that in fact is a need not that that's all there but I had to throw that number out one more time for everybody just to make sure everybody was super depressed but you know there is a Navarro Bowman sized hole on that defense and um, it, it's just fascinating to me because you also had a guy yes you have Navarro Bowman who when healthy isn't a tremendous talent but you had somebody who was out a whole year with a terrible knee injury 
you're putting, as, as Steph said, all your eggs in one basket on someone who went, who got hurt again and who there was a chance would get hurt again. It just seemed like a really poor way of building the team. And then we, of course, talked a lot about as a group um, and did videos for Niners Nation on free agency. And for about five minutes, they had me convinced on the idea that you, this is a rebuilding team and they would spend money next season. But I mean, there were ways to help this team in free agency and they had a lot of money to do it. And I really do not understand the thought process behind doing nothing except signing that Lewis. Yes, I remember our discussion on the free agency talk. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, what I mean, Jen, do you have any insight or thoughts as to what that's about besides being cheap? But it has to be about more than that in theory? I mean, I do know that they're looking forward to guys that they will have to sign to contracts. So I know that that's part of the issue. I don't know that that's, um, I mean, there's, you would think that they would spend some more money, but I do know that there are guys coming up that they will have to sign. So they are kind of, I mean, saving up money somewhat to get those contracts done. Uh, I, you know, but other than that, I, I just, I don't know why they didn't spend any money. I mean, I guess the year before they spent some money on Tory. um, but I mean, really, they, they just, that's a tendency that they don't do. They just don't sign expensive free agents. And uh, Trent Balky says, you know, it's a statistics thing, which goes back to kind of, you know, um, Steph's article on Parag about the statistics about behind it, that they just don't spend the high money because those guys tend not to go to Pro Bowl. So guys that are picked up in free agency tend not to go to Pro Bowls, tend not to have that much success, so they don't like to spend money on them. They'd rather, quote-unquote, grow their own talent. It's just unfortunate that the talent that they've drafted hasn't grown very well. In, uh, just to add to that, like, I have nothing against growing your own talent. I mean, uh, you know, I've been a San Francisco fan my whole life. It's sort of the MO of the San Francisco franchises that they they bring in everybody homegrown and they wait and wait and wait and then blow it out, you know, and create dynasties in their teams. So it's not that I'm against it. But then you have to be right on the money, and I think you have to use all the tools. If you're going to build a franchise, you have to use every single tool that's available to you. You use the draft, absolutely, but you use free agency too, and you use every single thing to your advantage. And I just think it comes back, and it's squarely on the shoulders of Balky at this point. I don't know if this is his direction or the you know the you know the direction that he's been given, but it seems to me just based on his like Parcells mania, the way he, you know, his philosophy in doing things is that he is going to do this solely through the draft, and he's not going to um, spend big money on those players. It's just his judgment at this point. So you better be right on the money. And be able to make those picks, day, you know, every year. But he hasn't been able to do that. He's had bad drafts, and this is what the 49ers look like at this point. And I think that, you know, nobody talks about morale and all the things that come with it. You know, game day, you know, energy. They don't put any of the emphasis on, you know, keeping the team lead. It's still astounding to me that Frank Gore is gone, and it, it's sad that we had to watch you know, him set all those records when he's not a 49er. There's no reason that they couldn't have kept him there, and if anything, as a team leader, and they just neglect it. And it's been hard to watch Michael Crabtree. I mean, I'm happy for Michael Crabtree, but 
look at what he's done. And that was someone that, I know Steph and I have talked about this a lot of times in the podcast. I think that was somebody that, you know, Cap really trusted. That was one of his guys. Now, I don't know what that relationship was really like. I know Crabtree has said many non-favorable things um, in the press, but they haven't kept in, you know, Jen, in, in looking forward and contracts of guys they need to sign, I don't mean this unkindly, but like there's nobody on this current team that seems to me like a priority to sign for the future other than Bowman that signed. And I'm like, who are, who are they saving the money for? Yeah, you definitely have a point there. And, you know, and growing your own talent is a good thing, but you know, Steph, you're right. They have to do it. You know, it has to be a guy that they have to, you know, get the guys, the correct guys in the draft. And, you know, that worked back when Scott McClellan was the GM and he was picking guys. He had a, just a great nose of talent. He's the guy, I mean, his, when his first draft, he picked Gore. And, you know, if you've got a guy like Scott McLuhan, a great GM who's picking those guys, then you can grow your own talent. But if you're making wrong decisions at the draft, then, you know, what are you growing? I can tell you what they're growing right now, and that is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what they're growing, but this is a family-friendly podcast. But yes. <laughs> there's one thing they're growing. But it really, I mean, it really is, you know, it's, it's, and Steph, you're right, that is Balky's philosophy I don't think, and I don't think any of us would argue this, his philosophy is not working. And as you've both said, he's missed so badly. Um, And that, and I think that philosophy worked for a while on the 49ers, but I think we could argue that for a very long while, it has not. Um, There were the, the few good years, but other than that, this team has been bad more than it's been good the last 20 years. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, we can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think that we keep giving, you know, the 49ers leeway because he has had, you know, you know, he picked Alden Smith. And I know that that didn't work out. But, you know, if Alden Smith had kept his, you know, stuff together and he really focused on football, he would have been a once in a generational pass rusher on the 49ers, if you ask me. But, you know, he obviously didn't do that, so there was character issues and all that kind of thing. But, you know, we kind of gave him this leeway based on certain picks. He had done really good things with certain picks. So we kept waiting and waiting, and I kept thinking, Tank Carradine, you know, I heard so many times, I mean, how high they reached even for him, you know, and he was hurt, you know, on the ACL club or whatever. And, you know, everyone thought, yeah, he's going to be a monster. He's going to be a monster. And I'm just still waiting for him to be a monster. And I'm still waiting for, you know, some of these players like Patent and all these things that he thinks he can reach for, but misses on other ones. You know, I, I still don't, you know, they missed on Keenan Allen, a wide receiver who went on the third round. You know, there were so many people above where they picked, or below even where they picked, that they just missed on them all around. And it's, you know, you think at some point he's going to hit on one or two, you know, and it's just not, not happened. It has definitely not happened. Um, speaking of actually one of his better draft picks, Jen, are you hearing anything about Carlos Hyde's shoulder? Should we be concerned? Um, nothing yet. Nothing yet. So, I mean, he when I saw him walking off the field, he wasn't in a brace. He wasn't. He didn't have a rat. He just kind of moved around. He was not in the locker room. We were in there afterwards. So, um, just kind of doing that shoulder shrug thing as he was walking to the locker room uh, before the game was over. Probably about three minutes left or so. So, I mean, there was no reason for him to go back in at that point. 
No, that was was long over. Uh, long. And I'm, I like Carlos Hyde. I mean, I like him a lot. Like, he can make some really spectacular breakthroughs if he can get, you know, if he can get a gap. You know, he's he's gone. But he can't stay healthy. And it, part of me wonders about the, his style of running. He's got to find a way to stay healthy in the NFL. And he hasn't been able to. And so it's not like I can put, you know, <laughs> a lot of faith there in our run game you know when we we can't we can't run and and really you know Colin Kaepernick was the most spectacular runner on the team you know yet on Sunday so it just seems like that's saying something and I and I hope they let him go like like I hope they let him you know run and I think it will create a little bit of a you know an edge to see well where's where's the run going to come from but at the same time I mean you just put a spy on him, and that's all you really need. And then they can just stop the run. And <laughs> sorry the, to be so bleak. I oh, Steph, <laughs> Steph, it is certainly not your fault. The team is one in five. I don't know if I mentioned the two thousand one hundred fifty-four yards the defense has given up the last five games. They are horrible. They are last, I think, in everything except um, the run. Actually, oddly enough, um, but they. They are terrible, but we transition to a good topic. I don't know if you guys heard, but there's this quarterback on the 49ers, um, and he was not playing, and now he's starting. And I think we should talk a little bit about that um, from yesterday. I thought he looked decent. He certainly looked but He looked great in the first half. Maybe not great. He looked good. He looked fine in the first half. Um <laughs> Just gonna keep on. He looked okay. He looked okay <laughs> in the first half, considering he hadn't played in a long time and all that and yada yada. He looked. He was fine. He was okay in the first half. Um, I think what what he showed in the first half, um, it was a more interesting offense to watch, and there is a dynamic in having him at quarterback because he can run. Um, and I'm not, and Blaine Gabbert can run too, but there's just kind of difference in the way they run and the way that he can make a play with his legs. Um, but he looked okay. And then obviously he did not look good at all. And they all went downhill. So he completed 44% of his passes. Um, I think he played well enough to earn another start, but he still struggles with accuracy. And unfortunately, accuracy is a really important part of quarterbacking. So. <laughs> Just slightly. It's just like a slightly important part. So, Jen, I will I will start with you, and then, Steph, you can talk about our guy, Cap. I mean, yeah, he had some great moments. I mean, I think that time when he was in the end zone and they almost got a safety, I mean, I don't think Blaine Gabbert would have gotten out of that. So, I mean, I really do think Kaepernick is dynamic uh, when he has the opportunity to run. I mean, he just can be really slippery back there at times. Um, he did... I think have a better pocket presence than we've seen in the past. I mean, right before he went out last year, I think he uh, stood in the pocket a little bit better. Didn't um, force the run or didn't, you know, shout, uh, scramble out of the pocket as quickly as he has in the past. He did still stare down a couple of his receivers that, you know, indicated to the defense that he was going to throw the ball to that one direction. So he still has a little bit of that. But, I mean, I think that as he gets going, I'm hoping that, you know, some of the rust comes off. And, you know, he mentioned in his press conference that that long ball to Torrey Smith that was a little short that, you know, got the comment from Jerry Rice. Uh, 
he mentioned that that was just probably a little bit of nerves, just being kind of juiced up, getting out there again for the first time, uh, just kind of a little bit of, you know, being a little bit of anxiousness. So uh, there was also a crazy amount of wind yesterday. So if you looking at the top of the stadium, the flags on each side of the stadiums were going different ways. The flags above me were going into the stadium. The flags to the right were going the other way. Um, the winds were swirling. A very, it was very reminiscent of the candlestick winds. Uh, there was not one particular direction. They were going all over the place. And they were pretty strong. They were gusts up to about 45 miles an hour. So those long balls, I really didn't think he was going to throw any. But he did throw a few, and they were I mean, definitely affected by the wind. Okay, well, that's that's good insight that's good to know kind of positive there's a little bit of positive in there i I mean i I, I, yeah i mean i think he definitely was challenged by the wind and i think there is definitely some rust i think he looked better than right before he went out last year and he could improve positive that but i think there were some positives in cap i don't think he was not great by any means but he wasn't awful i think we did see some positive stuff what are your thoughts well, I I think um, the 49ers have probably the worst, one of the worst, probably like second to last roster of the, <laughs> the whole league. So um, I think it's tough for him or any quarterback, even Blaine Gabbert. I'm not going to even like be like, oh, I'm, you know, because I was very vocal about Blaine Gabbert. And I think that, you know, seeing what we see now, I mean, it's I think it's going to be tough for any quarterback to play on that team period I think that Kaepernick has the ability to be a formidable weapon because of his ability to get out of plays I mean when we saw um I think it was Jerry Hughes grabbed a hold of Kaepernick in the end zone like what we saw he somehow was able to get free and I I don't think like you know Jen said that I I don't see how I don't see how Blaine Galbert could have gotten that and then went on and got a first down after that. Like, I just think that he did um, very well. And I think he stayed within striking distance for a while. And I think that he did well considering, you know, what he had to do. Um, You know, he did rush. He's not back. He's not back by a long shot. Um, He missed, you know, deep throws, but I was really glad to see him actually attempt to make throws beyond the sticks. It's something we haven't seen for the last five games. So, you know, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to like say, well, you know, at least he's throwing the ball further than, you know, seven yards. And I'm happy about that. I would agree with that. And I hope that he gets a few games. I mean, I, I said in my recap yesterday, if Blaine got five games to prove he wasn't very good, then I think Cap, and I'm not, and I'm not even like trying to dog blame because I think he's doing the best he can. It's just that's just the best. That, that's the problem. That's the best he can do. Um, but I think they have to give Kaepernick a little bit of time because what are the? I mean, there's got to be a reason Christian Ponder's not playing. So what are really yeah, the options? They're going to give him at least five games. And I think that Kaepernick's going to continue to fight. I mean, the way his personality is, is he's going to come out there every day, every, you know, every game, and he's going to give it his 100%. So, you know, that's all you can ask for with a guy with a, you know, subpar offensive line, no run game. No wide receivers. <laughs> no wide receivers. <laughs> and, um, you know, what are you, you going to do with this team? I mean, it's it's such a mess. You can't even put it 
on anybody at this point. And I tweeted that to the fact, like, you don't, I don't even know where to point at this juncture because it's so bad all around. I mean, coaching and, and training. And I think the schemes are weird and I don't understand it. And one thing about Chip Kelly's offense is he's always needed an accurate passer. And we don't have that. We've had that for a while. And so it's just, it's just weird. The whole thing's weird to watch. It is weird to watch. And so going back to what we talked about earlier, so let's say Jim O'Neill does get fired next week. Um, then maybe he won't, but but then let's pretend he does. But then then what? Who even – I mean, they're probably not bringing back Mangini. Um, so – though that would be hilarious. <laughs> um, that would just – say never. That would be the, like, cherry on the 49er cake. Um, I actually didn't. I actually kind of liked Eric Mangini, and I thought he did an okay, decent sort of-ish job last year. Um, <laughs> but no one's getting that high of praise from me today. Um, but so let's assuming that doesn't happen, and assuming that Vic Vangio doesn't say no, no, I want out of Chicago, and really I want to go back. Who, who, Jen, do you think becomes the defensive coordinator? Yeah, that's a really good question. I haven't really researched who's still available out there. Um, the only thing I could think of is maybe Jason Tarver. Um, mm-hmm. That could be a name that gets thrown out there. But, I mean, they're just – I don't think there's anyone out there that, you know, you go, okay, that's the guy. Okay, we need to get rid of O'Neill and get that guy in here. There, I don't think there's anyone that really stands out that you would, you know, flag as the guy that's going to fix it. I mean – also, that's a lot of pressure to put on one person. So it's got to be someone who's kind of strong. I don't know how much pressure would be on them. I mean, this defense just, I mean, it needs more than a coach. It needs more talent. It needs, I mean, it needs a lot. There's, you know, it's just, it's like, you know, the leaky wall and you try to put your thumb in one hole and then there's another thing that springs open and then you try to put your other thumb in that hole and then another spring leaks open and it's just like there's, there's too many... I mean, water's getting through, no matter what. So, I mean, you want a good coach, and that's going to help some. But, you know, you still don't have the talent on the roster. And I think it, I think um, that the other thing is, I can't think that right now anybody would look at this team and be like, ah, oh, I really want to go coach them. <laughs> this... <laughs> This will be good for me. I mean, I know, listen, there are everybody, anybody who wants a defensive coordinator job would probably take the job, but it's going to be hard to get someone really awesome, which I think, in all honesty, is how we ended up with Jim O'Neill in the first place. Yeah, and even though the Bears situation is not great, I really, I mean, it would great, you know, Fangio would be much better at this point, but I really doubt he would come back at all. And that comes back to... Um, the firing of Jim Harbaugh, which is something I've tried to stay away from because it's been months, even though, I mean, years, sorry, not months. I wish it only been months. It's been years, um, years. And because he now coaches my football team and does it really well. But I tweeted yesterday that somewhere in Ann Arbor, Jim Harbaugh was laughing his ass off and I don't blame him. And the, the rea- and the thing is with that firing, it's not even, this is a bad roster. Maybe he even saw the writing on the wall. I don't know. He probably could have done better, but maybe he couldn't have. But what happens when you be when you act like that and you fire a winning coach and you fire someone like that in that fashion is nobody wants to come work for you. And 
I think the 49ers are seeing that. And I actually do like Chip Kelly and I want to give him a chance. And I think there's a, I think he's a good football coach, but I think it's hard for the 49ers to get quality people because when you see an organization treat people like that, and it's the way they treated Harbaugh, the way they've treated Kaepernick, the way they treat people, people don't, quality people don't necessarily want to come work for you because they can work somewhere else. And so why would they want to work for you? So I'd like to that's, just say that. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. And I mean, someone you didn't even mention is Tom Sula. And granted, he wasn't the greatest coach, but they bring him in and fire him in a year. Not that he really deserved to stay here another year, but just the way that whole thing went down was another kind of crazy situation by, handled by the front office. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you've got that. Um, I mean, I know you've had Tim Kawakami on the show, and he's talked about the leaks from the front office and you know that situation it's i mean that's out there i mean it's pretty well known that the front office kind of sends out information as they wish and that kind of changes you know the image of the team and what's you know what's been said about the team and you know it's just there are a lot of bad things that are going on with the organization it's really sad to see i mean i i mean i honestly think that the Yorks want to win. I mean, why would you not want to win? I really think they do, but they just don't know how to go about it. And, you know, all of these different things that have happened make the organization really unattractive to work for. I think that that's, yeah. I think that's <laughs> very true. And they, I think loyalty is, of course, so important. And you want to have people around you that you trust. But there's also, there's also blind loyalty um, and you have people around you to a fault. Um, and I think, you know what I think the other thing is, Jen, I think you're right. I think the Yorks really do want to win. And I, but I think, and maybe I'm totally wrong. I don't, I don't know him, but I do think that the CEO of the organization doesn't necessarily know what he knows and what he doesn't and how to surround himself with the people who know better. And I think truly successful people know what they know and know what they don't and surround themselves with the people who know what they don't. And I don't think that's happening in this organization. I, well, I'll, I'll take it a step further here. Um, you know, I've not been shy about what I say. On, you know, I was at a charity fundraiser, which I saw Jed York, and, you know, the fan in me is like, oh, excited, you know. And I overheard him actually say to a close friend of mine, I mean, point blank, and this is when Harbaugh was the coach for the 49ers, that he felt that he felt that if Jim Harbaugh was a great coach, he would have won Super Bowl 47. And he just said it just like, like neck, you know, that's just really what he believed. I absolutely agree. He wants to win. He just has no clue whatsoever. And he is so obtuse to think that he knows better than the winningest coach in the NFL. And he even said openly that he felt Tom Slow would win more games than Jim Harbaugh. They felt like it was completely that they had the talent and it was all coaching deficits. So I think that, you know, he's kind of made the bed he's in now. And I know he cannot stand it because, you know, of course he wants to be right. He did something that was completely adjacent to what fans wanted, what, 
you know, he built a brand new stadium and did all these things, you know, took the team from San Francisco, did all these things. And, you know, he wants to be right. He wanted that, you know, he wanted people to love what he was doing. And for a while, Jed York was that team owner that a lot of San Francisco fans rallied with, you know, when everything was good. But when things went south, it's really hard not to look at, you know, he said, look at me, you know, the buck stops with me and look at my accountability and all these things. Well, I think that, you know, there, there's not really much we can do. He's not going to sell the team. He is not going to, you know, change it completely. I think that there's a lot of, you know, good points about scapegoating here, you know, that he's going to find somebody to, you know, blame it on because it can't be his fault. But, you know, there's a lot of things at play, and I just think the whole direction of where the team went was a bad one, and it wasn't laid out clearly. We still have no idea what they're doing. I don't even know what this team is supposed to, you know, build around at this point. You know, in the days of Patrick Willis, in the days of Frank Gore, and Justin Smith, and shoot, Navarro Bowman, you know, we had some, some sort of, like, you know, something to gravitate to, we don't have that now at all as fans. So, I, you know, Jed York, you know, has done this, and, uh, you know, Lord help us. <laughs> God have mercy on the 49ers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I just kind of mentioned that in one of my articles today that, you know, this used to be a stout defensive team. They used to stop the run. They used to have goal line stands. They used to not have rushing touchdowns. They used to not let anyone have more than 100 yards. I mean, not even close to 100 yards, single running back. I mean, that's what we kind of, even when they were not great, they still had a good run defense. And now this team just doesn't have an identity at all. Well, (laughs) (laughs) that's, I think, I think we've hit all the high points (laughs) or low points. I think, I think, I mean, Jen, I think you just summed that right up. This team doesn't have an identity at all. And I know that there's a lot of things, like, people are pointing to the defensive coordinator. But, you know, I, you know, I was racking my brain yesterday because I thought, you know, well, what if they moved, you know, to the 4-3 or 4-2-5 or what? You know, there's only so many, you know, permutations the 49ers can put out there with the current roster. I mean, it's, it's just a mess. I mean, it's not even... It's not even coaching. It's not even the coordination. It's the roster. <laughs> it's just there's so many issues that you can't even, like, I don't even know if I would kick the defensive coordinator because, I mean, I'm sitting here going, well, what else is he supposed to do with his current roster? I mean, there's only so much he can do. And everybody talked about the breakthrough year that, you know, Ward was going to have and Tremaine Brock were going to have, you know, and I'm still waiting for the breakthrough year, you know, so. Ward's not even playing and they won't (laughs) tell us what's wrong with him. (laughs) I'm just sitting here, you know, waiting, you know, and these are all picks that, you know, Trent Baalke has made and it's just a perfect storm a big storm of mistakes that have come to fruition to make the 2016 season, in my opinion. And not the seven storms. <laughs> no, those seven, those seven storms minus their ass are going nowhere fast. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, and 
that's so yeah you were waiting for that i was waiting for bruce ellington to have a breakout year and then he got hurt so i mean this was really his year to come out you know step up i mean it would, i'm glad that quentin Patton and tori smith got a little more involved but it's that was the sixth game how are they not involved into the sixth game i mean Corey Smith was, I mean, you look at what his numbers were in Baltimore and what they have been since he came here. It's what, a, I mean, it's got to be mentally so excruciating for him to be not involved at all. Um, when Julio Jones had that incredible week a couple weeks ago, uh, we asked Tori if he was jealous. He goes, no, man, that's my friend. But yeah, you know, it's, it's hard. It's got to be, I mean, watching your friend get 300 yards of receiving and you have maybe two targets in a game that's got to be so frustrating for a wide receiver i mean tori smith must be go to bed every night and be like what happened to joe flacco where are you joe flacco come back to me joe come back to me joe joe flacco was elite yes as it, as it turns out in comparison to what i'm dealing with joe flacco was elite. you guys remember when we did that you know that the show on free agency and when I said I really wanted somebody adjacent to Tori Smith like and I was like I felt like Trent Balky should listen to me you know because you know, he goes downfield and there's got to be people you know somebody that goes up the middle you know the Anquan Bolden type or you know the Michael Crabtree that goes up on the side you know you have to have a wide receiver that goes adjacent otherwise you just put two people on him and you can't throw it more than 10 yards you know he's not going to get any balls his no. day. <laughs> so I mean geez you know and you know thank god you know even though the caps you know throw was short you know he was able to come up with it once you know and I think well gee you know it's really sad for the type of receiver he is, how fast he is, and his ability to go down and long the field, and and we can't get the ball to him. It's it's maddening. It is maddening. There's so much that's maddening. I believe that my my first line in my recap yesterday was Niner fans. There are so many things wrong with this. Or there's so many things about this team that bother me. I don't even know where to start. And I think that is the reality of the San Francisco slash Santa Clara 49ers. They are a disaster. I mean, a football disaster. I don't want to be dramatic. There are true disasters in the world, but in the world of football, they are a complete and total disaster. And let me tell you something. It is not going to get better anytime soon. It is going to be a long 10 games. It really is. And you know what? Another thing that's going to, you know, so now the focus is on how bad the defense is. They keep losing games, and then the focus is going to shift on how many people aren't in the stadium, just like how it, it's very similar to last year, um, how few people are in the stadium and the just the apathy of the fans because who really wants to watch this i just it's so hard to watch i mean at least if if there's no defense and the offense is putting up points at least there's the offensive producing but i mean there's really just there isn't one aspect of the game that stands out enough that like a fan would say oh i want to watch them for this no, there's, there's definitely not. There's, there's, I was just taking a minute to try and think if there was anything. There's not. There is not. And is, is Richard Robinson got a concussion? Uh, I believe so. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. So 
I mean, that's the other thing with the defense, in fairness to Jim O'Neill, and you guys both mentioned this, but, I mean, they're dropping like flies. So... I mean, if you look at it from the beginning of the season, so Ian Williams, that's a huge loss. Glenn Dorsey still isn't 100%. That's why he didn't start yesterday, and he didn't start on Thursday. Uh, Bowman's out. Ray Ray Armstrong's out. Uh, Jimmy Ward's out. Chabosky Tart is out. Uh, Richard Robinson, I, you know, I don't know how... We don't know how bad of a concussion it is, but usually guys are out for at least a week. I mean, if it's a very mild one, he could be back Sunday, but usually they're out for you know a little longer than that. Uh, so it just kind of depends on how he recovers. But I mean, that that's a lot of names of guys that are not playing for the defense. But like you know, in the Harbaugh area, you know, and I know I'm you know going back to the Harbaugh stuff, but there were. During that last year that Harbaugh coached, I mean, a lot of players went down. A lot, you know? And we were complaining about 8-8, eight and eight, you know? Oh, my God, what, what I would eight? give for 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He lost everybody. I felt like everyone went down. Everyone went down. This person went down. This person went down. This person went down. And it was next man up, you know? And, yeah, there were – and even in the Harbaugh that last season, there were games that were actually close. Like mm-hmm. – that could have been one. They didn't win them, but it could have gone their way if, you know, certain things. So it wasn't like it was, you know, disastrous or anything like that. But I just think it's interesting that, you know, you as, you know, if you're building a football team, you have to prepare yourself for injuries. It is absolutely, you know, something you do. I mean, and to be this bad on game six, yeah, a lot of people have gone down, but that should be expected. That's football. People get hurt, you know? So it's not like rocket science that somebody's not going to get hurt here. So it's just bad, bad planning, bad everything. Ugh, it's depressing. Which <laughs> brings us back to our friend, the GM. Oh, boy. <laughs> it is depressing. It's just, it's pretty much a sad tale of woe. And this season is just going to be... I mean, I actually think a microcosm of the season was the Thursday night game. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Everybody was okay, so I can laugh. But Antoine Bethay and Tremaine Brock ran right smack into each other, helmet to helmet. It is a miracle neither of them was concussed. And I was like, this is a microcosm of our season. Here you have two players who almost seriously injured each other. They are on the same team. And it was just, and it was just a matter of, not knowing where they were supposed to be. It was like the Keystone Cops. I was like, this pretty much... I was just going to say that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was like the Keystone Cops. I was like, this pretty much sums it up. Welcome to the 49ers. But, like, everybody played bad. Like, Mike Purcell played bad. Eli Harold played bad. Eric Reed played bad. You know, Gerald Hodges played badly. Like, it was a cluster. And, and, And even to see, like... Why even Eric Reed had to come up and make plays where the corner should have been there? You know, I know a lot of people gave him a lot of heat, but I don't even know why he was up, you know, playing that. So it was just dumb. It was, it was just. It was just dumb. <laughs> Sorry. I think. I think. But that I think kind of sums it up. It's just dumb. There you go. I think we. We. Uh, there it is. Well. Well, guys, I don't know what else to tell you. 
it's going to be a very oh, long. Here's here's my one bright spot for everybody. One more week until the bye. Woo! It's almost yes. bye week time. <laughs> um, so there's that. That's the biggest bright spot that I can come up with um, right now. So, ladies, I really <laughs> appreciate you both being on today. <laughs> Um, we had a good laugh. We did. You know it's what? Funny how we've gone to being so like bleak to just like cracking up. <laughs> we just can't stop laughing. It's, it, it's so almost like laugh. delirium. Like you hit a point of delirium and you just can't stop laughing <laughs> because it's a fine line. It's a fine line. It's a very fine line. If I feel if we stay on much longer, these these laughter may turn to tears. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Maybe. <laughs> maybe they'll turn it around <laughs> sorry that was ridiculous um, <laughs> I just, you know what I want them to be able to come together and actually put together a, a decent scheme I want them to be able to execute you know I've always said this like if coaches you know if, if the players can't execute your scheme they need to come up with something new and mm -hmm. they need to you know they need to plan and have game plans that their players can execute. Um, and if they can't do that, I mean, that's a big problem. So I think that, you know, if they can just kind of go back to the basics and get their team out there and as a unit compete, um, I don't even care if they win or not at this point. I just want them to look somewhat, you know, together. And um, we'll see. It, it just, I don't know. I, I do think that Cap has a little bit of a higher, you know, ceiling, I guess. I don't know, a higher expectation than Blaine Gabbert. I think I'm hopeful that we'll see more on that end. But it's going to be it's gonna be a long season, so all we can do is just try to have fun with it. Well, and Sunday gives them a slight opportunity to compete. Um, Tampa Bay is, is not a great team by any means. They've had a very up-and-down season. Um, they, they are, I believe their defense is ranked 20th. Jameis Winston has thrown eight interceptions and nine touchdowns. He's been sacked 12 times. I mean, this is a team that if everything goes okay, I mean, the 49ers can beat this team if they can so get it. you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's, I'm having, and I'm having trouble, as you can tell, getting the words out. Um, <laughs> But there actually is a team. This There is a chance. If Cap can be a little more accurate, um, Doug Martin may not start on Sunday. The Bucks just signed a running back I've never heard of. Um, there's a chance they can get it together enough to go into the bye week at 2-5, and five, which is a hell of a lot better than going into the bye week 1-6. and six. That is true. You know, and it's just, if they can figure out See, it makes me laugh. I mean, the coach's job is to figure out what guys do well and then use that to their advantage. Maybe there's just not enough of what they can do well that they they just can't pull it together. But I think the fans, I would be, I'm sure you two would be happy if at least the game was competitive, mm -hmm. not a blowout. It just, you know, shows something that's positive so that, you know, there's something to look forward to, something to, you know, talk in a positive light about it's just it's been you know there just hasn't been any spark at all that's been something 
that's been positive. So it's just been really difficult to watch. And it would be really nice to have just a little something, just a little nugget of positivity. Just a little nugget, a golden nugget, if you will. Yes. (laughs) Golden nugget. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much, Steph. Thank you, as always, for co-hosting with me. Um, Loved having you on. Jennifer, it was so fun to have you on, the Niners Nation ladies. Yes, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. This was this was great, you guys. Um, you know, it is what it is. So we'll just keep on keeping on. Um, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And we will talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Go Niners. Go Niners. Go Niners. <laughs> Bye.